Well, that's quite an introduction. I was wondering who he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here. You people are, you know, this has been an experience, um, you know, and I've had a lot of them. This has been an experience today and yesterday and the day before. Um, you folks are so fortunate to have Pastor Pete Barbie and Teresa in your church. As you're not only writing on the synergy of Pastor Dan, but you're writing on a lot of really greatness. Because I, I have never been touched by someone. I talk to a lot of pastors. I'm, I'm not a young man. I've been in the healing rooms for 17 years, been involved in other things for many years before that. And when Pastor Pete called me on the phone, I told my wife after that, I said, there's something about that man. You look around, there's some empty seats here, but one of the, the words, the Lord has been speaking to me for three days about this church. And one of the first things he said, these walls aren't big enough. And I really mean that. I mean, this isn't, I'm not just talking to make you folks feel good. I'm not one of these bless me people and I, you know, bless me this, you know, you're going to be blessed in that because I got some hard word for you today, but it's a growth word because these songs today, I could have put them up there myself. Everything she talked about in her song and her singing was what we're going to talk about today, and it's all about relationship and how to establish a deeper, meaningful, life-giving, life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here for that reason only. I'm not here as a director of the healing rooms. I'm here to represent the Lord Jesus Christ and bring glory to the Father. And that's what we're all here for. And so I, I just want to tell you that be ready. Be ready. One of the words that we and some of our teams and the people we circled around, they all got one word, and it's prepare. So the words I've got today for you is prepare you to be what you can be to this community and to the world beyond. Because it's coming. And I think hopefully I'm planting a seed today that'll resonate through this body when these walls go out and you become what he wants you to become. Again, on the, on the wealth and the favor he's given to Pete and to, to Teresa and on the synergy of Dan, that's where you're beginning. But these songs, he talked about stepping on the head of religion and tradition. And believe me, there's no one in this room that wants to step on that more than me. And I could, that song was so perfect. And then he was talking about you, and he was talking. And the very last song was talking about presence. Now, when those now those of you that were in the heating room training yesterday, he didn't talk much about presence. He talked a lot about Jesus. But Jesus is what brings the presence. Presence is what brings the peace. And was, I couldn't believe the songs that she put up there because everything was paramount. Even the move, because I feel a real move in this body. I didn't ex expect to talk about all that, but because I got a lot of things to cover here today. But the Lord wanted me to tell you, like, like he said here, why are you here today? If you listen to what those songs were, why are you here today? You came to worship. You came to praise the Lord. Maybe to teach a Bible study. But you came here for fellowship. You came here to listen. Maybe a friend had a prophecy for you. Maybe you had one for them. But what we really came here for is for one thing, to deepen our relation with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I said initially and to bring glory to God. That's what this country was founded on, to bring glory to God and to express a Jesus Christ around the world. This country was founded in 1620 to do that. You know, and so this is, this is not something new, but it's what the church has forgot, and that's why we step on tradition, and that's why we step on religion. 
That's what's ruined the church. And so this message today is about restoring. So this is a message of hope, although it may not appear that way, but it is. So anyway, that, that was kind of more than what I expect to talk about. But So you know why you're here now. I know why I'm here. Why did Jesus come here? Why did Jesus come, period? Now, just think about that for a second. I asked you a minute ago to think about why you came here. Jesus came for a couple of things. The first book in the Bible, or the Gospels rather, not the Bible, the first book, we all know gentlemen. First book of, of the Gospels is actually Mark. And in Mark, he said what? He said, the fullness of time has come. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God has come. So we think, well, Jesus came to bring the kingdom. It says in John, he said, he bring all men unto me. I will draw all people. Some Bible say people, some say men. Draw all people, all men unto me. We know that. He also said in the book of Mark, still the first chapter, he said he came to go to the to go to the different towns. He was talking to the ministers. That's the cause. You know, he said that was the purpose for which I came. The purpose for which I came is to go to the towns. And he did. Do you ever think about the fact that he went from from the uh, the towns of Bethlehem or Jerusalem or wherever it happened to be. And in the next paragraph, he's in Titus and, and, and Sidon, you know, Tyre and Sidon. I mean, that's 60 miles away. I mean, we have to think about his journey in sandals and, and a dusty road. But anyway, that's the way Jesus was. And so what we have to do is we have to think why he really came. Then there's one book that talked in John 18, 1837. He said he was talking to a man named Pilate. He'd just already been through the garden. He'd already suffered. And he was standing before Pilate. And he says, Pilate was curious. You know, Pilate said, the Lord speaks to a lot of different people. And Pilate said to him, is it true then that you're a king? You know, is it a king then? He said. And Jesus said, you have spoken rightly. I am a king. For this cause I was born. For this con cause I have come into the world. That's why Jesus came. He came into this world for this cause, to bring the truth. And then Pilate said, what is the truth? So he was thinking, even Pilate, after he had endured what he did for Jesus and knew what he was going to do, it was, he came for the truth. And that's what the word came to me the day I was sitting in Oatana with the, the, the new directors of your healing room, uh, Pat and, and, and Sue McCabe. But that word truth came to me, and that's what he wanted to talk to you today. He wants you to understand the truth of one thing, who he is. You know who he is, of God, who he is. He wants you to understand the truth of what he's really saying to you about his word. Because what does it say in the Bible? Jesus was talking to God himself. And he said, now this is Jesus talking to his father. Your word is truth. So that's what we're talking about today. And it, it goes in a lot of different ways. He, um, he, he wants to bear witness to the truth in everything he did. And that's what we have to know, and that's what we have to learn. That whether you're in your job, whether you're here in church, whether you're you know, just walking down the street, we are bearing witness to the truth. When I got that phone call from Pastor Peter, I had witness of the truth that was in him, that he had a real witness when I came to this church, today when we were worshiping, I felt such a presence here. That's the truth of his presence. 
So we really have to monitor ourselves with what we think because our thoughts should be day by day and the Word of God actually wants us to know moment by moment the truth. And what is that truth? The truth is the Word of God in us and it must be manifested through us because we're manifesting the glory of God in everything we do. If we're in him and if we're walking in his presence. If we're not walking in his presence, we're not manifesting the glory of God. How do we do that? I did a lot of traveling in my day, whether it was in Europe or with us in Asia. Joan was always with me. That's how you that's how you maintain that maintain that presence. The knowing that he's always there. Jehovah Shammah. That's how we know he's here. So I've I've got a, a thought when I was talking to uh Pastor Pete in Owatonna. The Lord gave me that word truth. When he gave me that word, he gave me a scripture, which you all know. It's Roman. It's, um, Roman. it's a, talking about Roman. It's John 14, 6. I just got too much going up here right now. John 14, 6 says what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You say, well, how many times have I read that? But how many times have you actually chewed on that scripture? The Lord Jesus Christ, we suffer the Lord Jesus Christ every, every time we have communion. We take the biscuit and we take the wine. We're representing what Jesus really did. And he tells us some of the interpretations in the Bible, if you want to, at least the ones I've read, he says to chew on that word. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're not just supposed to read that, okay, that's a good scripture. But he talks about the way. What is the way? We know Jesus is the way, but what does that really mean? He truly is there to guide us, to lead us, to show us the way. Because there is only one. Of course, the next scripture talks about that. He says only, I am the only way to the Father. That's what it says right after that scripture, of course. But when we stop and think about that, and just chew about how that affects our life, that Jesus is truly the way. The way to our life, the way to our guidance, the way to our relationships, the way to everything we do. If we're working, we're playing. I haven't worked for a long time. But, but I tried to keep that, maintain that presence. Whether I did or not, that's up to him to tell me sometime. But that way is so important. And then the truth. That's the word that he gave me. That's what inspired this whole conversation. The truth is not only truly who he am. The truth of what am I really to him. The truth of what does this word mean to me. What does that, every word in this Bible is important. And we have to learn to chew on it if we're ever going to get what this, what this whole talk is about is what Pastor Pete talked about just a moment ago. He said relationship. This I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe that these songs were a coincidence. I don't believe Pastor Pete's prayer today was a coincidence. I don't believe us being here is a coincidence. You know, whether it's 10 or 100,000, I'm actually speaking to the future of the people in this church is what I believe. Because I really believe in my heart that the Lord wants a relationship with Jesus in this church, which is going to be paramount around this city. I, I have this in my heart. It, it, he doesn't speak to me all the time like this, but this, that's the truth. This is, this is a, an expansion speech today because you're being founded in a way that the Lord wants you to be founded. Okay, so therefore, then there's the truth. And we know that truth, but he also is a life. It's the only life. And I've lived a, a pretty exciting life, really. I've done a lot of things. We've, I've had a wonderful family with my four boys and my wife. We've had a lot of, lot of good things happen to us, but it's only for one reason. We've had instances in our life which are tragic, and the Lord was always there. So when you've always had the Lord in your heart, he's going to always be there. But this life is truly the life that you want to live. 
Well, there's a man, a good friend of mine. He was born in 1380. Some of you may have read this book. It's, it's called Thomas at Kempis. You ever heard of Thomas? It, it's, it's surprising that you haven't because it's the second most read book in the world. But you've got to remember, it's been around for 800 years. And this man, Thomas, had such a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you, you can actually feel his presence as you're reading it. And there's very few books, and we've, Joan knows, there's been thousands of my books that I, I used to have voracious reading. The Lord told me to stop. But there is a reason for us to understand that there is another life that we need to live. So, and, and going on with that prophecy he gave to Thomas, he said it's a life, well, let's start with the beginning. It's the way in which you must follow. That's what he said. It's the truth which you must believe. It's the life which you must hope for. But he said at the beginning, without the, without the way, there is no going. And that is absolutely the truth. Without the way of the Lord, there is no going. If you just go out on your own, believe me, you're out on your own. I, I love some of these songs out there. They really do point the way. It was a, it was a perfect moment. I tell you, be the truth. I felt, the, I felt the presence of the Lord the moments I walked in here today. And that doesn't happen very often. I go to a lot of different churches. And that's what they're missing because they're bound by their traditions. They're bound by their programs. They're bound by religion. That religious spirit is in Minnesota, believe me. And we have to get rid of it. One thing the Bible hates, that Jesus talks about in the Bible that he hates, is the spirit of, of, of uh, the, 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 uh, the um, I can't think of what their name is. The, um, anyway, it means hate. The, um, the, give, me a, give me a word. What is that word? The uh, Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, they stand for what they did in tolerance. And he said he hates tolerance. And that's what the church has done. We're tolerant and we're complacent. And we let everything happen. While we're sitting here in our glory thrones, we're worshiping the Lord, we're having so much fun. And underneath our feet, the world is eroding our nation, eroding our lives, eroding our freedom, eroding our free. So that's what happens when we do that. And then he, he went on to say that it's, it's the way that it, you must go. It's the truth you must follow. And, and it's a life everlasting, the life unending. He says it's a... It's, uh, inviolable way. It cannot be violated. It's the only way. It is the only way. And then he said it's an infallible truth. Infallible. It can't be changed. Never. Never. Now this is God talking. This isn't me. This is what God told to my good friend Thomas. And then he said it's a life everlasting. So if you know the way, I'll give you the truth. And you'll have the life everlasting is the way he finished that. Now, this is a man who probably knows God as well as I know Joan. I mean, he speaks like a man that can just understand every parable, every tittle and dot in his word. The Lord explains it to him. I mean, it's, it's such a comprehensive book. So it's a, it's a wonderful thing to walk in the feet of the Lord when you know that you're walking in the way and in the truth, and in the life. So anyway, that, that's, that's what he said to me. Truth. He wants this body to know that truth. I've got uh, some thoughts about why he gave us this verse of the truth, and he gave us the scripture of John 14.6. He didn't just write 14.6 to write 14.6 and then 14.7 to tell you that I am the only way to the Father. 
what he was. He's on the way to verse 12. Now, this is a verse that we all know. Excuse me, I don't want my nose away. Verse 6 kind of went on to verse 7, and 8, 9, 10, and then 11, 12. What's, what's verse 12 say in John? If you can believe, you'll do what I do, it even greater, because I'm going to the Father. I got a, I got a golf appointment up with the Lord. You know, you're going to take over now. You know? Now, see, but if we, if we didn't know the way, if we don't know the truth, if we're not living the life, that, that chapter 12, we might just say, forget about that. It's not going to happen. We're going to do the things, and we've seen the things. We've seen a lot of things, believe me. And you see somebody get out of a wheelchair or get their, get their cancer gone or get their arthritis, suddenly hands open up. Man, that's a blessing. Wow. What's that? That's, that's exciting. So we do do those things, but we have to know the way, the truth, and the life. And then, oh, what about chapter, the next chapter? Then what does he say? This is the first verse I learned in the Bible. It said, John 14, 21. I think of it every day. John 14, 1, it says, you have my commands and keep them. Right? Oh, you will love the Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. You have my commands and keep them. And the Father loves you. We will make our home in you. That's 21 and 23. That's what we want. That's the way we live. But we wouldn't have that without 6. We wouldn't have that without 12. We wouldn't have that ability to do that. Then he goes on to talk about verse 27. Everybody knows 27, right? The peace I gave with you, not as the world gave it, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Never let it be afraid. The peace. What is peace? We all ask for peace. The world is asking for peace. But guess what? The Lord says, peace is a choice. Oh, my goodness. You mean I have something to do about that? Peace is a choice. We choose to have peace. The only way you can have it is with a foundation. Is with a foundation. A foundation. We put on the armor. We stand on that foundation. So, so that's how we're, we're, at, we're at peace now. We can feel his presence. So guess what he says then? We've got chapter 6. I mean, verse 6. We got verse 12, we're walking in the spirit. Now we have the peace of his presence. So wherever we go, we know that he's there. We got that peace. And guess what he said? What did, what, did, what did Jesus say to Satan? He has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. That's verse 30. So that's a wonderful chapter. It's been part of my life for a long time. And I, I wanted to share that with you because when he gave me truth, that's the first scripture that came to me. 14.6. And then I thought of my friend Thomas. He has such a relationship with the Lord. I, I just ache when I read it. I said, I want such a relationship as that. And that's what he wants you to have with him. So that's what this is about. It's about getting rid of religion, getting rid of tradition, and getting that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Glorifying God in all that you do. The one thing about peace, what does peace do? It manifests the glory of God. What does truth do? It manifests the glory of God. What does chapter, what does chapter, I keep saying chapter, I mean verse 12 do. When you go out and help a friend, I've, I've seen, one thing I like about this church, I have really seen compassion, and I've seen people that care. I mean, it's not just you're coming to church and then I'm going home and watch a Viking game here. I can sense that already. It's about people and caring and showing that care. And 
and, and knowing it's loving that you're caring, that they're caring because they love you. you. You can just sense that here. And I think you should people know that. He's built you a foundation here for the people that are leading you to start something really great in this community. I want to go into a, a little bit something else here. Now that we're walking in his presence, standing so the enemy has nothing against us, I want to talk to you about how to build that relationship. And this, this is kind of strange because it's kind of a detour. I talked to you about standing just a moment ago. And when we stand, you know, we're not standing on quicksand or even sand. You know, these golfers, they stand on the sand. and they, that's, Golf is a good part of my life, by the way. But so you could, it was, was, was. And, you know, you don't really have a really good foundation. So you see them digging their feet in. That's how you stand. You stand on that firm foundation of peace, of chapter 14 in John. You stand on that kind of foundation. So when we put on the armor, like it says in, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, what are we doing? We get up in the morning. We say, I'm going to put on the armor of God. Well, I, and I, I shoot my feet shot the gospel of peace. And I felt this with the truth. And I got on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Now I'm all protected by God. I got a shield. I'm going off to work. No. No, no. If you get up in the morning and you say, I'm going to put on the armor of God, you've got to say, no, first I've got to stand. First I've got to stand. I've got to know why I'm standing. I'm standing on the, on the power of the Lord God Jesus. I've got to know who I am. So then I put on, then I can keep my feet shod with peace. Because you don't get peace unless you've chosen to follow him. And then you know his presence is there. And with me, you, then you know his authority is here. When I lay hands on somebody, believe me, this old Norwegian here, he knows, believe me, that absolutely whatever I do, it has nothing to do with me. I have seen a lot of things, and I, nobody could be more convinced. I can't, I said, I'm as awe as they are, believe me. And that's the way it has to be. You have to have that peace. So now you're ready to go. You've got the firm foundation. So I'm putting on that arm, but I'm not there yet. And then I realize that, wait a minute. I have that peace because I have a foundation in Jesus Christ. I have his peace. I have his authority. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I can do all things through Christ. He'll never leave me nor forsake her. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, I'm really getting ready now because I, I have that peace of all that information, all that wisdom, all that authority. I'm ready. Now I can go forward. So then I put on that belt of God's armor. It's God's armor, not mine. What does that do? It just holds it so tight. I mean, it's immovable. Remember that word infallible? It's infallible truth. It's the truth you must believe, he also said. I left out that one little part because I forgot it. But there is another part in there, the way, the truth, and life. And one of them was the truth that you must follow in the way in which you must believe and the truth in which you must live. That was one of those other ones that John Thomas had given to him. So now you've got that belt on. You know it's secure. Because you're secure in him. Why? Because you know about peace now. You know about standing now. You put on that belt and really know it's tight. And it's not going to move. It's inviolable. It's there. It's infallible. Okay. So now we put on that breastplate. The most beautiful part. And that, that kind of brings us like we're talking about Dan bringing the synergy of his, his ministry here. You've got the synergy of the ages because you got all the, you know, not that we have a worship those 12 you know, apostles. We don't worship them. But they're represented by that beautiful breastplate of righteousness, you know, because it also represents justice. So when we can stand on righteous and justice before any enemy, because who's behind us? 
And we put on the helmet of salvation. Jesus Christ is our salvation. So we put on that helmet. What did he die for? He died for our iniquity, so we know pure before him. We know we're righteousness. We have the righteousness of the Father because of Jesus. We've got that same authority that Jesus has given us. And we also know that we're working from a heavenly position. So therefore, nothing, there's nothing the enemy can do from a heavenly position. So we put on a helmet. And it also guards our mind, our will, or our emotion. So now our mind, because his mind, the word of God says we have his mind. The word of God says, as he is, we are. So we've also got that in our mind. We know those things. So that gives us, even though we know we have the peace, we know we have the word, we know we have the authority, now it's all up here as well. So we can see straight. We can see with his eyes. Be me, he says. See me. See as I see. So that's why we put on the helmet of our mind or will or emotion. All into it to view. I'm, I'm actually making this shorter. With me praying this prayer in the morning, it gets much longer than this, but we got the sword of the Spirit. What did I say about the sword of the Spirit with Matthew, or Matthew 10, 34? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We always think, well, we, when I used to say this prayer, you say, oh, I destroy all the enemies. I'm ready to go. But the sword of the Spirit does a lot more than just the enemies. He cleans up the church. He cleans up my life. It's the sword of the Spirit which cuts out all that stuff. Like I said, like the Nickelodeons, it cuts that stuff out of the church. It cuts the traditions out. It cuts... It cuts all those things and programs that we think are so important. We don't have time to pray because we got to do the program today. We don't have time to pray because the 16 tenets of this this ministry doesn't. We can't do that because the tenets say we can't do that. You probably know some of you which what, which church I'm talking about, but there's other churches as well. Do you know that um, the minister, the healing ministry that we belong to, was started by John G. Lake, and some of you've been through that. John G. Lake was such a powerful man. One of the things he did, he started churches after he came back from uh, he came back from Africa after thousands of people got healed miraculously. But he started this church that he called them apostolic, apostolic churches, and he had a bunch of them along the coast, the west, the west coast of the United States. Well, they they kind of just like everybody else, they wanted to be part of something else. Now they were very very spirit filled churches. You know that they're all based on the full foundation of who he was. And healing was just part of the church, like today. Healing isn't just something special. Healing is a part of the church. I mean, Jesus died for it. It's 50%. It's got to be there, you know. So anyway, the people, people want to be people, right? They want to belong to an organization. So they all joined either the, Vic, uh, the vineyard churches or the Assembly of God, all his apostolic churches. So that's when he moved up to Spokane and he started his ministry there. And as we said yesterday, and some of you don't know that, over 100,000 people, in five years, were healed. And they came back, remember, they came on boats. They didn't come on trains and planes. They came on boats to get to America, went to Spokane and the hospital to get all our people there. 100,000 documented people in five years. So that's what you have in front of you right here. Now, that isn't the church. The church is Jesus. You are his body. And we have to know that. It isn't healing. It's just part of it. It was good enough for Jesus to have people want to come and see him so they get healed. It's good enough for you as a body, as that draws unto him. He will draw all men unto me, it says. And he drew unto them because, and as soon as they met him, they saw it was love. They saw it was the Father's love. They saw that he was compassionate and he was merciful because he wasn't just compassionate. He laid hands on them and they were healed, so his mercy was shown. So the glory of God was there, but it was all about Jesus, all about the Father, and the people got healed. And I'm sure a lot of those people, they could have been the worst criminals in the world, but they wanted to be healed. 
Jesus wasn't selective. We can't be selective. We have to, we have, I still remember when uh, Pastor Pete was talking about something yesterday about looking at everybody. We had this one guy in our healing rooms in, when I was in St. Paul healing room. I mean, he had so many demonic tattoos on his body. I couldn't believe it. You remember him, Joan? I mean, it was, I mean I'm talking about demonic symbols. And yet, like, I love the Lord. So it doesn't make any difference if you see that person on the street. He can still. There's a reason. There's a reason why you want to know Jesus. And he certainly proclaimed it. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about. And I think I've kind of been hitting at it about chewing on it. The biggest thing that I see in the Christian life is they want to belong to a Bible study. They want to read the Bible. Oh, I've read the Bible 10 times now in the last two years. Or I've read the Bible this many times. You cannot read the Bible 10 times, and even 10 years, and do it correctly. If you really want to meditate and chew on every word, that word comes to you. It's just like the word truth. The word truth is the reason I'm here today. That word hasn't, the word that he gave me that day, that truth, John 14, 6, was here since, what, a month ago it was we were here. And he's been building on that an expectation of what he wanted to say to you ever since. It just hasn't left. He asked me, yesterday, asked me this morning what I was going to say. And I said, the same thing that happened to me on, that, on the day in Oatana when you spoke to me, when he spoke to me. So, <clears throat> so that's what he wants. We should take a drink of water. <clears throat> but the, the truth is what it was all about. So then the other thing that I wanted to talk about is there's another thing that we kind of rushed through. And I'll, I'll make it short. I'm not going to get into this. I have a prophecy that I wanted to give you, but I don't know if I have time. So what I'll do is I'll just kind of give it to you because I want to also talk about something else we do. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be the name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let, you know, and now I go to work, right? It takes me at least an hour to say the Lord's Prayer. And the reason is, is when you go, our Father, our Father, just think about that. I'm a sailor, and... You don't know what's up there. You go out in the middle of the ocean on a sailboat, and you look up at the sky. I mean, it looks like a blanket of white. You see probably one-third of what's up there. And I would, I like to take the night watch from midnight to 3 in the morning, and you're up there. I mean, it's you and God and the waves. And you look up there, and you just see Jesus. You see the Father. And that's what we have to do when we say our Father. We have to see him in your pasture. We have to see him in your friends. We have to see him when you walk down the street and say, wow, this is a beautiful community. We have to see the Father in everything. Our Father who's given us all this wonderful creation, these wonderful people to live with. So, and then you can, you can talk about these things, but it's true. What you're doing when you do this, you're building a deep relationship with the Father and with the Son. Our Father who art in heaven. Now, now I, when you get past that, it's hard. But then you say, hallowed be thy name. And then you say, Jehovah Shalom, oh my goodness, his peace. Thank you, Father, for his peace. And then you can live on that and chew on that for a while. And then you say, Jehovah Rapha, we all know that one is, because I'm a healer, right? Jehovah Rapha, God, we thank you. You took our infirmities and you bore our pain. You bore our sicknesses. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing my this and my that. Thank you for keeping me safe. We aren't supposed to be sick, by the way. We're supposed to live a sinless, sickless, deathless life. That's what we have. Sinless, sickless, deathless. 
sinless because he gave us first John 1 9 he knows we're gonna sin he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness he is that way how do we keep sickness we trust in him pick up the call dr. Jones first no we call Jesus first we call Jesus first that's what we do if you're going to the doctor now fine just wait for him to tell you that you're healed and we do that we do that we've seen that a lot we had a son that did that um, he was born with really, really serious heart problem. Doctor went in there when he was four, almost five years old. Suddenly there was nothing there. Serious, serious heart problem. We got out of the Navy because of it. But I mean, it's, it's that way for you and for everybody. Sinless, sickless, deathless. Why, why would you die twice? You've already dead. I imagine everybody here is already dead. This the scripture that he gave for, for, to, uh, from, from John 14, 6, when he gave that to Thomas, you know what he was talking about? Living a selfless life. He said the key to living a selfish life is the way, the truth, and the life. The less of yourself, then I will enter in. Less of self, the more I enter. The word we got recently from the Lord was abandonment. Abandon yourself, and I will enter in, is what the Lord says. And that's out of abandon yourself, and then read what it may, truth, and life. So we're in, we're in the Lord's Prayer now, and, he's, and he gives you the names of Jesus. We went, we, you know, the peace, the healing, Jehovah Rapha, and Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. We like that one. I'm waiting for that new Cadillac, right? No. I'm waiting for his provision because I know it's there. I'm not hoarding my money because I want to build my barns and fill them. We know about that prophecy, right? In that parable. Fill those barns, fill it with rice, fill it with this, fill it with money. How about filling the bank with money? How about being, oh, I gotta have, I gotta invest in this, I gotta invest in that. I can have lots and lots of money so I can buy this boat, I can buy this. No. He's gonna provide all your needs according to his rights and trust Jesus. He will provide. Then there's the best one of all that's over since know. That's his righteousness. And we can we can get through that one. It takes us a few minutes to get through that one as well. And then the one that we like all, we all like, I mentioned it earlier, Jehovah Shama. Underneath are the underlying arms, carrying you everywhere you go. Not only that, but they're not only that, but they're always out there. This morning, when you got up, say you had some burden on your life. Say you had a problem with the children. Say you had a problem with the bank. Whatever, Jesus, He's underneath Jehovah Shammah. Those arms are out there. So what you do is you take that situation. You say, "Here, Jesus," and then you walk away in peace. And you know all as well. That's Jehovah Shammah. And then and Jehovah Jireh. You know? Jehovah Nissi is the last one. Jehovah Nissi is a banner. Everywhere you go, you're representing Jesus. You're carrying that banner. You're carrying that banner. You are the gate for somebody else to open. Open their heart to Jesus. It's one of a couple of the psalms back at three or four psalms that says you're the gate. That's who we are. We're carrying that banner because you're the gate that someone else can open to meet Jesus. To meet Jesus. Um, I think I got just a couple minutes. I want to share a prophecy with you. But anyway, that's that's the Lord's prayer to, down to the names of Jesus. The best part is coming. Give us a day our daily bread, right? No. We all know that one. How about 
How about our country? Do we ever want to pray for our country? Do we ever want to pray for our friends and our neighbors? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What a powerful prayer to pray for somebody. Boy, you can fill your whole next hour praying about that one. Let your kingdom come today for my friend Joe, who's hurting for a job. Let him see your kingdom and the righteousness you really are, Jehovah Jireh, for him. And you can go on and on and on. Let your kingdom come for this nation, that the, that the president and the staff and, and the House and the Senate and the Supreme Court can see who you really are. Let their hearts be turned that they can vote properly against this abortion thing. Let this, and you can just go on and on. Let your kingdom come into our nation. And, and you can go on and on. And then, of course, we, the rest of it, you understand those words. But just remember, all of those things, when you spend that time with them, it's just like time and grade in the service. The more time you spend in the service, the higher rank you go. That's the same way it is in the kingdom. You want to be used of God. You want this church to be expanded, and it's going to. I have that vision for this church. I, one of the things I told Pastor Pete here the other day was, these walls aren't big enough for what I feel the Lord has for you. I've forgotten exactly what he said now, but I, if you're, you get a good prophecy, that's kind of the way it goes, because it's not you that's listening, it's him. I mean, it's you that's listening, it's him that's talking, what I mean. So I'm going to give a really quick thought to something because of, of what Pastor Pete said to me way back in Owatonna before I started. Um, you don't have to go there, but if you have your Bible, I was sitting home one day doing my Thing, and I don't know what time of the morning it was. He told me to go to the book of Zechariah, which is, we all know where Malachi is, it's right before that. Well, let's skip that part. Let's do the, let's do the shortened version here. I was sitting in my room, and he, he, he said he wanted me to go to Zechariah 7. Now, we all, I don't know, if you're, if you're like me, every once in a while you get a scripture. And you go there and they say, well, that wasn't God. He gives you a scripture and it means nothing. It has something. It could be some weird thing. You know, say, well, that wasn't you. But this time, for some reason or other, I just kind of knew that that was real. So I went to Zechariah 7. And I'm going to give you the highlights because I've only got a couple of minutes here. According to what Pastor, he's got a leash on me. He's pulling on it. So, But uh, no, I, I think this was important because, again, Three things he gave me in Oatana. The truth, John 14, 6, and he said, he started to mention two of the three things that are in this little prophecy I'm going to give to you. And the Lord told me to share this prophecy with as many people as I can because the Lord is coming, and he's coming with a sword. So I read, I read this, Zechariah, and he said one thing. And this is one thing you have to ask yourself. Did you do it for me, for me? He's talking about this, the fast that they have. Did you really fast for me, for me? So when we think we're doing something for him, are we really doing it for him, for me, for me? And I said, well, now, I, wasn't, I wasn't in a real spiritual mood. I just had done my daily lessons and I was praying. But I came to me. But then he says, after that, he says, obey. He says, should you not have obeyed? And claimed through the former prophet? Should you not have claimed what I've been saying to you? Should you? And all of a sudden, I said, wow, that's kind of, wow, that's a really good word, Lord. Thank you so much, you know. And I meditate on it a little bit, but 
So he said two things. And I thought about that. Have I really done these for him? Am I really obeying the things that the Lord has told me? He's spoken to me ought to be a lot of times. He's spoken to me in his heart. He spoke to me about your church. Am I really obeying the things that he's telling me? I thought it was great. So anyway, I went on with my day. Didn't think much about it other than, other than the fact I did dwell on it a little bit throughout the day. The next day, I was back in my den again. And the Lord says, I want you to go to... Now let's see, how do they do that? I want to get this straight order. I want you to go to the book of Ezekiel. So I said, okay, I'll go to the book of Ezekiel. I went to the book of Ezekiel and I was looking for it, which we all know where it is, but right after Jeremiah. And before I got there, I want you to go to Ezekiel 21. Okay, Ezekiel 21. I went to 21, and before I got there, he said, a sword is coming. Now that's why I know that this was real, because he first tells me Ezekiel, and he tells me chapter 21. And then he says, a sword is coming. I didn't know what that chapter was from a hole in the wall. Guess what it says? I'll read a couple lines. He says, my sword shall be out of its sheath, and it will not return. It is coming and shall be brought to pass. A sword, a sword is sharpened and also is polished. He's ready. Remember the verse in Matthew 10, 34? I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That's what he wants to do to this church, to everybody else. He wants to clean out the traditions. He wants to clean out the religion. He wants to clean out. He's tired. He's been telling us to prepare, prepare. Joan had a, a word about prepare, prepare. He says, prepare your heart so it becomes like mine. Is that what it was? Oh, prepare your heart by seeking mine. Because we got we kept we have prophets in our group and and, and they keep getting prepared. We keep getting prepared. So we were praying about that together. We get together every morning and pray for quite a while. And that word came to her by seeking his heart. And that's what we're doing now. We're preparing our heart for what's coming. Because remember, the word I keep getting all the time is others. Others. I'm not here for Gary. I'm here for others. For others. Jesus was a servant. We're called to be a servant. You have to have a servant's heart. And boy, I'll tell you what, there's nothing more blessed than being a servant's heart. So anyway, then I thought, wow, that's great. Two days in a row. Wow. But then he said, the third day, I wasn't expecting it again. I, two days, I never would have thought three days in a row. He says, he wants you to go to John. John. I can't get John out of my mind here. Matthew 10.34. 10.34. And we know what that is. I didn't come to ring a piece, but a sword. And I tell you, I almost fell out of my chair when he said that. I said, wow, he wants me to obey? He wants me to really believe, who, what am I really doing here? And then he said, a sword is coming? And then he said, 1034, a confirmation, a sword is definitely coming. But in between that, he said, I want you to read 1 John 3, 1 John 3. What's 1 John 3 all about? It's about being a bishop, being an overseer. And what we've been talking a lot about is being an overcomer. So I said, oh, thank God. He's trying to bring the church to a higher level, to be like bishops, like an overcomer, like an overseer, because you're going to oversee the flock, because the flock, blame it, he's telling us the flock is going to fall away. The church, the religious church, the traditional church, those that don't have this foundation, 
Those don't have that foundation of peace and authority and understanding of who he is. They don't have a relationship, because that's what this is all about. It's building that relationship. If they don't have a relationship, it's not going to happen, and they're going to fall away. You're going to be there to recover. This is recovery mode for the church. That's what this prophecy was all about, recovery. So that was, that was a, a five-day journey. It stayed with me for months after that. But the one thing I wanted to mention, and then I'm going to leave, when I got to Ezekiel 21, never did get there, Ezekiel 21, I got down to 6, and he said, Sigh therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, and sigh with bitterness. And I, I, I'm... I've been one of these guys that I'm a man. I don't cry. I don't know if I've ever cried. Have I ever cried? I, I don't remember if I did. I probably cried when I stepped on a glass bottle one time. I probably cried then when I was a kid. But I weeped that day when he said when he said Ezekiel 21. And I got to that part about Zeking. And then he said one thing. And I'll finish with that. Because that's what we're here for. He said, pray for my children. Pray for my children. Joan and I went on a sale not too long after that, about a month and a half. We were sitting there. Other people had left, went ashore. And we were just sitting there by ourselves. I picked up the Bible and I was reading, but even now they opened up to, I think it's Zechariah. I don't know why. And the Lord said, weep for my children. We were in the middle of nowhere sitting by ourselves. He wanted us to know that. Weep for my children. Who are the children? I'm one of the oldest guys here. He still calls me a child. He calls me my son. When the Lord talks to you about my son or my daughter, you know he wants to talk to you about something pretty serious. So that's how we start this prophecy. My son, go to this. So I knew it was him. But weep for my children is my church. That's my body. I didn't get the part of the things I wanted to talk today because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about a, a scripture that I believe that Pete's even mentioned it here. And it's Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. If you ever want to read a scripture that you want to chew on, read on that one. But at the end it says he made, a, he made Jesus to be the, he, the head of the things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. So that's what we want to be. We want to be the fullness of him. So we can weep for those who don't know him. So we can weep for those that are going to be lost because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's everybody, I mean, everybody the world is talking about, they know something's going to happen. Thank God that we know him. Thank God that we're here for his children because that's our service. So if we have that relationship with him, we can go forward wearing that armor. We can go forward wearing that shield of faith. We can go forward knowing him. And knowing them that through us, we can lay hands on them, they can be healed, and most of all, they can get to know him. So thank you very much. I enjoyed talking to you. And thank you for blessing me by being here. It's been a real blessing. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, that's yours. Hallelujah. Well, were you blessed today? 
Wow, what a word of encouragement. I'm telling you, God is really moving. He is so preparing us. He has something so special. And I know, oh, I've heard that before from you, Pastor. But it's the truth. It really is the truth. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Amen. Amen. Gary and Joan, would you mind staying after if someone needed a touch from the Lord, prayer for healing? Okay. So um, tell you what, I'll say a prayer and let you go. But if you need a touch from the Lord, you need someone to stand in agreement with you for your healing. You already have that healing. Those of us that were at the seminar, we know that. Amen. Um, but avail yourself of the anointing that's on this man and this woman. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's kind of like we're just in a daze here. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, thank you so much. What a privilege and an honor it is to be called by you. It's in you, Lord, that we live and move and have our being. Father, I bless each person here in this house. I thank you, God, that you continue to work out your good will and your good pleasure in all of us, Lord. We yield to you. We yield to the working of your spirit in us, Lord. And I thank you that this week there's even going to come testimonies of how you showed up in every one of our lives, Lord, in a special way. 